Hello, and welcome to the OMR International Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Peterson, International Content Editor at OMR, the home of the OMR Festival. We've got a good one for you today as we are talking about influencers, aka KOLs, aka key opinion leaders. But we're not talking with influencers today. No, I said about influencers and brands and connecting them. And we are doing so with CEO and founder of Colesquare, Quentin Bordage. Colesquare is Europe's leading SAAS service that connects companies and brands with influencers and KOLs and vice versa. You may have heard the name recently as Colesquare just dropped its Influence for Good guide, one of the first, if not the first, handbook for responsible influencer marketing out there. So what is exactly Colesquare? What does it do? It's a subscription-based platform offering users a litany of discovery, tracking, management, and campaign tools, plus an added audience verification score to help brands know more about the KOLs they see as a brand fit. Quentin told me all about what the platform can do in the granular, what the state of influencer marketing is today in the macro, and shared some best-case practices and no-gos for brands new to the influencer game. Before we start, don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend. All right, Omar Podcast right now. Let's go. Well, I'm pleased to be joined right now by founder of Colesquare, Quentin Bodage. Quentin, welcome to the Omar Podcast. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Scott, and thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, influencer marketing, um, a topic that uh, I think really since since the pandemic has really come into its own, not only for like larger scale brands, but also for like smaller scale businesses, just really of all sizes. Um, people have figured out that there are immense benefits in using um, KOL campaigns, so key opinion leaders. And so I wanted to kind of start off uh, by asking you, what is the state of influencer marketing today in your eyes? Um, I think we are entering in a kind of maturity. So it's a, it's a huge market. It's a very uh, young market, but a uh, huge market. We're talking about $30 billion worldwide. And I'm not talking about the creator economy, that is even bigger. Um, and it's a young industry. At, at Cosware, we have been doing this, this job since 2010. So years ago and and maybe we talked about that but we started with celebrities that were the absolutely the ancestors of uh, influencers uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so we have seen things evolving a lot and it's pretty much accelerated in 2018 something like that so four to five years ago and um, after a few bumps uh, ups and downs <laughs> um, I think it's entering a, a, a new age of maturity with uh, um, more and more brands using it um, even big brands uh, investing a lot more than in traditional uh, advertising uh, lovers like uh, Google Ads and things like that and also um, interesting maturity questions about and around responsibility for example and how we should build this industry that is quite new but accelerating a lot lots of business lots of uh, jobs and uh, even governments are are looking at uh, this industry so very interesting uh, uh, stage for for us. Yeah, sure. It's a very exciting space and a very exciting um, area to be active in. So then uh, the the question uh, is how it relates to Colesquare is like, what exactly is Colesquare at its essence and how are you able to kind of stand out from some of the other agencies and platforms in the space? Yeah, that's a good question. So basically we're not an agency, we are a software editor. So we develop a platform uh, uh, subscri- subscription-based. So it's a SaaS 
full SaaS uh, for brands or agencies. Um, actually, we are the biggest player in Europe. Um, okay. operating in all uh, countries, but uh, we, are, we are very strong in uh, Spain, Germany, and France. As you can hear with my accent, we are French. Um, with a very data-driven uh, approach. Okay. Uh, basically, uh, we identify automatically all the influencers that have more than 5,000 followers on all their social networks. Um, um, Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok. And for all of them, we collect all their content text, photo, videos, um, and in real time with all the engagement also. And uh, so likes, comments, shares, and so on. And we also enrich the profiles with lots of uh, data, social demo data, and so on. Uh, and so we use all uh, this uh, info uh, to dig into um, and help a brand identify the right suitable talent for their campaigns and also um, automate, uh, simplify, all the process uh, from A to Z. So identifying, contacting, managing the relationship, uh, but also monitoring all the results. Uh, and with all this data, you can also compare your strategy with others and so on. So you can do lots of things. And our mission is to help uh, uh, bra those brands uh, to scale their influencer marketing and do it also in a responsible way. And maybe we're going to talk about that, but... Uh, um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. That, that's the, the long and the short of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. sure. Um, okay, well, so you mentioned the markets that you're primarily you're really strong in in Spain, uh, in France, and in Germany. Um, how many I don't know, clients or campaigns would you say that um, are like currently active? Through the yeah, platform? we're not talking in terms of campaigns because there are tons of campaigns that are, are done by our clients, brands or agencies. And basically, we have uh, more than 500 clients around uh, Europe. Um, we also have clients in Australia, in the US, and so on, but many in Europe. And uh, we have two kinds of clients. Um, so it's it, it's what we call the, the heavy users of influencer marketing. So all the, the players that have already tried influencer marketing, that have found ways uh, to see how it can work and that want to scale. Uh, and basically, it's two kinds of clients. It's um, so brand agencies, but it's uh, big companies, enterprise. Uh, we have Coca-Cola, Sephora, El Corte Inglés, companies like that. Um, but also uh, smaller companies, D2C brands, uh, that use a lot of influencers uh, to attract new clients. And um, so there are companies like uh, Cezanne, Godbag in Germany, um, Kabaya, and so on. The team today is uh, 40 people, a uh, mm -hmm. pretty senior team. Um, and we are a work from home company, so most of the people are uh, spread out across Europe. Uh, so we have people in uh, Bulgaria, in Spain, in France, in Germany, and so on. We have 15 nationalities, so very international team. All right. Yeah, and if you can work at home, then that means you can be from anywhere. Yeah. Um, so like, and then so you said basically, Cold Square and this iteration of Cold Square, and we'll get to what Cold Square was before, um, but this iteration of Cold Square has been around for since about 2018. How? What have been some of the growth strategies you've employed? In, the, in that time to kind of scale up to where you are now? Basically, very classical uh, strategies, but uh, it was both inbound and outbound strategies. Um, 
we are pretty good at identifying the right suitable uh, personas for us. Uh, so we are good at targeting them and we were very good in um, processing that in terms of outbound process. Uh, but we are also uh, pretty good in, in inbound with a lot of uh, content. We try to build a thought, thought leadership uh, strategy uh, with lots of content you can find um, uh, online about everything you want to know about influencer marketing. Um, and we were pretty good in uh, duplicating that in all the countries we are operating in, uh, which is uh, quite a difficulty if you are operating in, in Europe, for example, because there are lots of uh, different cultures and languages and so on. So basically, that's what we have done. So you basically resorted to an influencer strategy to promote Coalsquare, essentially, a content creator, however you want to form it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, excellent. Um, and so I've mentioned this a couple of times. So um, this iteration of Coalsquare is coming about coming to being basically in 2018, but the, the company kind of traces its roots back to about 2011, 2010, um, with what you called the the original influencers, the celebrities, and uh, the company that you founded back then was Brown, Brands and Celebrities, correct? Exactly. So now tell me a little bit about that venture, kind of how that came about, because your background before that was like uh, also a little bit of rugby, um, some other entrepreneurial things. But I'm just curious, like how that company kind of came into being, um, what its mission was and how that ended up to the pivot in 2018 to what we know of as Coalsquare. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, but my background is um, indeed, uh, I used to be a top athlete. I used to play rugby, but I have a more classical background, uh, business studies, and I work a few years for a strategic consulting company called Oliver Wyman. And I created my first company, Brand and Celebrities, in 2010. Um, basically, we are doing almost the same as we are doing today with uh, Coalsquare, but it was with celebrities because there were no influencers at that day. Um, social media were starting to become big, um, but the audiences were uh, small. Um, and uh, so basically we started to create a, a catalog, a platform with uh, 6,000 celebrities um, collecting data from Twitter was big at that time. So collecting data online and using this data to match with influencers profiles, uh, celebrities profile. For example, we did, um, uh, you know, Novak Djokovic won the uh, Bercy's uh, tournament this weekend. And for example, we did a, a big uh, partnership between uh, Gerblay for all the gluten-free product uh, with uh, Novak Djokovic because he was uh, non-tolerant uh, with um, gluten. And we identified that because he used to talk about that in his book, but also in 14 tweets. Uh, and so there were a link and we could uh, connect them. Um, so that was, was this all done manually at the time or were you already like just building models to kind of scrape the data or like how did you go about that? Yeah, exactly. So it was uh, automatically done. Uh, so we were scrapping data on Twitter and, and associating those data to the profile of uh, uh, celebrities that we had uh, built um, but lots of things were done manually in parallel um, so for example we identify some passions for one topic and so on so it was complicated to automate everything and the catalog was quite limited because 6,000 uh, celebrities is, is big for celebrities but it doesn't uh, justify a subscription for a platform like uh, Coursequare today so we did that and 
And actually, the first uh, haha moment uh, was um, in 2012 um, when we did the first collaboration between uh, lots of YouTubers that were the first influencers uh, with uh, Orangina, you know, the, the, the drink. The, the drink. Exactly. And they asked 19 influencers to create content for them uh, without checking the content they were doing. Uh, okay. letting them free to do whatever they want and it was so crazy the results of this campaign they, they created tons of things in France and it was so big um, that we said oh ho, there is something happening here with a new kind of celebrities that are maybe not uh, well known in, the, in reality but online they are big um, and um, so that was a start. Uh, we grew big because we had this um, endorsement um, business. We had also our, um, a, a speaker uh, business, like for seminars and things like that. And also digital operation, like the one I was talking about with the YouTubers. And uh, in 2016, we decided to raise funds uh, to accelerate our historical business model, but also to launch what has become uh, Cold Square now. And um, in parallel, we were starting to work on automate, automating things on, on X, Twitter at that time. Uh, and actually, we built the first automated tool to, to automate campaigns with influencers on Twitter. So we were able to take control on the, the, the influencers' um, uh, Twitter account and post directly uh, content there uh, and measure, collect all the data and measure everything. So it, that was great because it was a first uh, automated tool on that and we said ho oh, oh, ho here there is another haha moment because we we are able to automate things around that and there are interesting results um, influencers are ready to do that so they are ready to allow technology to enter into their creation process um, to allow brands better work with them and there is something and uh, and so yeah, so we raised funds there, and we accelerated in this business. And in 2020, when COVID uh, came, um, our historical business was uh, pretty much at uh, zero because everyone was at home. And as you said before, um, in the introduction, uh, influencer marketing started to be very big during that time because people were at home. There were more than ever on social media. Uh, brands were trying to find ways to promote their product. Uh, no retail uh, or li very limited uh, retail solutions. So they turned uh, to influencers and the, the market grew bigger and even bigger than before because it was already um, accelerating, but uh, it became very, very big at that time. Okay. Well, then... Um I'd like to kind of talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts, so to speak, of Colesquare now. Um, just the the not the status quo as much as just the platform is how it's kind of set up. Um, and like, how would a typical journey kind of be like if I were coming as a brand, coming to the platform, coming to uh, the use the uh, SaaS service, and I wanted to engage with it? How would um, how would I be able to use Cold Square to help launch a campaign and help me kind of achieve my objectives? Mm -hmm. um, maybe we could speak about uh, how agencies can use that also because it's quite different at one point. Um, but for brands, it's very, it's very simple. Uh, the first thing that you want to do is find the right suitable talent. So most of the time you started with influencers you know or people know or... You, you found by yourself on Instagram or TikTok and so on. But then 
you need to find more suitable influencers and scale or maybe on different uh, conversational uh, territories. So okay, you will use, it's, it looks like a, a Google for influencers. You enter keywords, uh, very specific keywords. You had filters and so on. And you find the right suitable influencers that are engaging on your topic, that are um, in adequation with your brand, uh, with your values and so on. So that's the first use, very simple use case. So I use it just like a search engine with all exactly. these different Exactly. And you have, Today, like 3.5 million influencers on, on CoSquare. Uh, so Three and a half million. Yeah. Okay. Um, the profile are gathered uh, as key opinion leaders, which means that they have all, for, for one influencer, you have um, his or her Instagram account, TikTok account, YouTube account, and so on. So you have all the media power. We saw the statistics. We saw the content that I push, they push. So you can find all the info you need uh, to define that this, info, this influencer is, is um, suitable for you. So that's, that's the first use case. Um, then you need to contact these influencers. You need to manage a relationship with them. So uh, it looks like a CRM for influencer, and we call that an IRM, Influencer Relationship Management Tool. Um, basically, you can uh, synchronize your Gmail account, for example. You can synchronize your um, Shopify account, so you can create automatically promo codes or um, tracking links with your pattern from Shopify and send them automatically to influencers. Uh, you can automate uh, scripts uh, for sending emails. You can also um, centralize and share data with your team uh, as a brand. So if you have uh, people in different countries uh, or in different brands, you can sometimes work on the same influencer. So you will know that uh, the other brand worked already with this influencer and that this influencer loves the red color and has a dog that is called Poo Poo and so on and so on. Okay. okay. So you have all the info like in a CRM. It's here. Um, and then you launch your campaign. So you will need to um, monitor the results of your campaign. Uh, so monitor that the content have been produced. So you have everything that is on one page with all the, 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 the text, photo, everything. exactly, everything, but all the, the data that could be awareness data, but also sales data on the, on the, at the, the end of the funnel. So everything is, is, um, is uh, centralized here and you can share that with your uh, colleagues, with your boss. You can edit PowerPoint presentation and so on. So very efficient on all the, the major steps. Um, and the last use case is that you can um, compare your strategy with uh, other brands, uh, your competitors, for example, but also inspiring brands um, that you want to to, to look at and so you can uh, see what kind of influencers they are working with if they have a strategy of uh, macro influencers mi micro uh, mega influencers uh, what uh, kind of content they are producing so kind of mood board or so um, and also have a view of your share of voice which means that you can see if you are number one number three and how you are evolving which allows you to justify the investment that you are doing in influencer marketing Sure, but is that only applying to then um, other companies and brands that are using the Colesquare suite? Or are we talking like if I'm a, I have a competitor brand, uh, Colesquare will actually perform analysis of what they're doing somewhere else? It's for everyone because um, we are collecting all the content from all the influencers that have more than 5,000 followers on their social media. Every single media. one on planet Earth. Uh, 
on planet Earth, yes. So, which means <laughs> okay. that, which means it's that a lot it's, of it's, data. Yeah, it's a lot of data. It's very, it's it's big. It's it's uh, it's it's a bit less complicated than crypto, but it's that complex. So we have we have teams that are very very efficient uh, at collecting, structuring, analyzing data, and we provide brands with the tool to do so. So it's very useful for the search, but also for analytics and. As we have all the content, you can compare your content to others, but just look at others and what they are doing, even if they are not in your industry. But if a company like uh, Godbag is uh, performing in influencer marketing, you are in total different business, you will be inspired by what they are doing. Okay. And um, so then how does this kind of... Uh, um this this process of like uh, matchmaking process kind of function uh, between brands and like influencers? You said like there's... Um, like they're just the regular, like the semantic search engine um, where you can just type in your keywords and stuff. But like, as far as like those influencers and stuff, like all of the influencers on planet earth, like how are you, especially when it gets to like some of the smaller scale influencers, um, how are you able to vet them um, to like kind of like certify that, you know, their followership is legit and it's not just populated with bots and that type of thing? Um, lots of ways to do that. Um, so we have indeed um, an index that is called credibility score that is um, uh, seizing the, the quality of the audience of the influencers. So we are looking at bots. We are looking, looking at uh, ratios like followers, followees, um, things like that. So there is a score uh, on 100. If you have more than 70, 75, it's good. And the closer to 100 is, is very good. So you have that kind of data. It's like in a plain cockpit <laughs> uh, where you can use all, all this data. Um, you can also look at the evolution of followers as we track all the, 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 the information. You can see if the followers are rising or decreasing or, for example, if there is a pike in followers yeah, at one point, they just maybe they bought. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you can see also the evolution of um, engagement rate. If the engagement rate is, is dropping, maybe there is an issue. There can be good justification like they, they went on TV or something like that. So they, they earn lots of followers, but you have uh, that kind of data. And we also added um, lots of other uh, KPIs. I, I give you another index that we created recently. It's called um, the um, compliance score. And for example, for uh, we are, it's just available for France uh, right now, but we are working on uh, internationalization of that. But it just... Um, is, are th those influencers um, um, compliant with the law, local law, uh, especially in terms of transparency? So we we identify, we, we analyze all the, the the content in the last three months, for example. We identify the content that are related to brands. For those content, we identify if there are um, partnerships or not, because sometimes it's just organic content, natural uh, point of views. And then we identify if the transparency has been uh, respected by the influencer. And uh, so we give a score, uh, very good, average, low, and so on. So that you can also see if this influencer is uh, transparent or not and have um, um, limited uh, uh, risk in terms of uh, brand safety. For example. All right. Um, so then you you mentioned a little bit about like some of the internationalization type of things going on with that. You're going to be rolling this eventually. You haven't rolled it out yet, but it's live in in France. Um, 
which is the primary market um, where you're active or one of the, uh, along with Germany and Spain. But recently you just, you expanded to Germany, um, which is where Omar is based. Um, and I'm just curious, um, like how, how difficult or like, what are some of the challenges when it, uh, that you face like to each specific market in Europe, like when you're trying to expand to them? Like, how do you overcome those challenges? What are they? Um, or is it just kind of a universal playbook? No, it would be great. But <laughs> uh, I feel there's language. It is quite different. So when we talk about uh, um, inbound strategy, for example, it's quite different. Uh, but it's the same for outbound strategies because in Germany, for example, you don't like very much uh, emailings, uh, prospection that are working in other countries. So that's very specific and you have to find ways to adapt your, your strategy in terms of uh, sales, for example. Um, after that, in terms of, um, of sensibility to influencer marketing is quite different. In Germany, for example, uh, e-commerce is, is big. Um, so uh, the approach is more e-commerce oriented with more KPIs, uh, more return of, on investment, ROAS approach. Um, and um, so that's a point. And in terms of volume also is different. In France, for example, the volume of transaction collaboration between brands and, and influencers is much bigger than in Germany and in Spain. Um, so I would say also that maturity is different in the, in the countries. And... Um, and for example, in Spain, it's it's different because they, they are more looking at awareness than uh, at the end of the funnel in sales. Uh, so the KPIs they are looking at and so the, 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 the figures they want to see in their reporting and so on are, are quite different. Um, and so we're so, talking about the clients, yeah. what they prioritize. So in Germany, they want more of the analytics. They want more like the sales and like some of those like key metrics. And in Spain, they want they want the reach and awareness. Yeah. Or in a, in a very basic way, that's how it looks. Uh, it looks like, yeah. Okay, and that I would imagine has like a significant uh, influence as far as the the campaigns and then the influences influencers that they want to work with. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Quite different. Um, so volume of influencers also is different. Uh, for example, uh, um, so you know it's uh, offer and demand. Uh, it's an offer and demand market. Um, there are lots of brands uh, trying to work with influencers in Germany, but for example, the volume of influencers that have more than 30% of their audience in Germany is twice as low as in France. Okay. Uh, so it's a 160,000 um, influencers in France, for example, uh, with more than 30% of their audience on Instagram, and it's uh, 80,000 something in Germany. So you see the 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 offer influencers have more <laughs> leverage maybe our brands are, have less uh, opportunities Success. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's quite different and it's uh, the same specificities in so you have specificities for all markets that's very very interesting but um, i would say that i see some patterns in germany that uh, i was seeing in france 2 or 3 years ago uh, for example, we have discussion with agencies that are um, still saying that they are, they are thinking about uh, inserting influencer marketing strategies in their recommendations to brands. And that's what I, I heard two, three, four years ago in France. Now in France, for example, they are, um, there is no recommendation without an influencer marketing strategy. No one. 
100% have an influencer strategy. So whole agencies uh, upgraded in influencer marketing. They hired, they trained their teams, uh, and they they built expertise on that. And I have the feeling that in Germany, it's starting right now. It's just. Yeah, a few years, two to three years uh, later, uh, but the potential is huge, and um, yeah, people, uh, consumers love influencers. Uh, people love influencers. Brands love influencers. So there is no reason why it should not become much, much bigger. Yeah, sure. Um, the, the German market is very slow to adopt new technologies. When I first got here a long time ago uh, in Germany, you wouldn't, you weren't able to pay using a credit card in most places. Um, not at a bakery, most restaurants only accepted cash. And so Germany as a market is just notoriously slow moving. So I'm not surprised to hear that what is commonplace in France and has been for like three or four years is just now starting to um, be accepted here. And I was curious, are there other kind of time lags between other markets or other like really challenging um dynamics that you've identified? Yes. Uh, I would say that uh, the most major markets are UK and France uh, today in Europe. Um, then you have um, Germany and, and Spain and maybe Italy that are in the same uh, bucket. Um, the Nordics are also specific, um, less influencers, um, but lots of activities around that and, and huge uh, um, huge brands, uh, D2C brands that leverage influencer marketing to grow big uh, globally. Um, but yes, uh, we see that there are some uh, some lags uh, between uh, countries. And, and we know also that we have some lags with uh, the US that are maybe compared to UK and France, maybe three to five years in advance. Uh, so that we see that, yeah, there, there is a kind of wave uh, in which uh, technology and usage are uh, spreading uh, across the globe. Okay. And um, so we mentioned that you just kind of recently expanded to Germany. What are like kind of like some of your plans for the German market? Oh, we already have. Uh, so we extended in Germany like two and a half years ago, uh, started there. Uh, it's coming, it's becoming pretty big now. We have a dedicated team here, um, sales and marketing team mainly. Uh, lots of German people in our team, actually. Uh, and we have great expectation for, for the dark market, uh, not only Germany, but uh, also Australia, Austria, for example. Um, as I said, Germany is, the is at a turning point, I think, in terms of um, market maturity. And, uh, and so we are going to, to invest a lot in Germany. In the, in the years to come, we attended uh, the OMR events uh, uh, this year. Very good. Yes, I know. And uh, the feedback were great. Uh, we attended the Mexico event also. That was uh, very interesting. So we are investing a lot in Germany. Okay, very good. Um, I want to talk about like a kind of a concrete use case that um, I kind of became aware of over the weekend um, that uh, you just kind of completed or there was a recent influencer campaign that was completed with Urban Sports Club, which is a, a chain of like fitness studios here in, in, in Germany. And Urban Sports Club is also a partner of OMR. And I was wondering if you could like uh, just speak a little bit about that campaign because um, it seemed like a, a really interesting way um, or an example of uh, a local brand finding local influencers to um, 
to kind of amplify their profile. And I, I don't know, I just found it fascinating. So yeah, could you tell me a little bit about that campaign and how it came about? And um, Yeah, actually it's not only one campaign, it's a global strategy that they are using. Um, they, they, they need to find um, conversational territory for people that love sport or that would like to develop the way they use sport uh, to to promote their service. I think it's for very community building. Exactly. And it's very interesting because most of the time people seeing that when you do influencer marketing, you need to have a product uh, company uh, to sell product, bag, uh, cosmetic product and so on. But here Something it's concrete. A, yeah, here it's a service. It's concrete, but it's a service. Um, and lots of Companies like Urban Sport Club or um, uh, insurance companies, for example, are leveraging influencer marketing to promote their services, and that's uh, that's very import important to consider influencer marketing as a, a legitimate lever for all, all those service companies. Um, and yes, that that's very interesting because they are using a tool like CoSquare. They are able to identify influencers that. Um, talk about well-being, wellness, uh, or specific niche sport, uh, bodybuilding or whatever, um, and that are performing on their topics. Uh, sometimes it's people that are completely different in their lives. Uh, sometimes it's a cook, sometimes it's an entrepreneur, sometimes it's a, it's a musician, uh, but they will be able to find people that are talking to an audience that is uh, sensitive to this topic. And that's how uh, they use Callsware to find um, those influencers at scale because they, you can do that at scale um, and um, and then engage them very rapidly and simply on the platform um, and it seems to work pretty well uh, they did that on Instagram but also on TikTok and on different channels and uh, what I think it's interesting for, for Urban Sport Club also is that the sport industry is very challenging for influencer marketing because lots of uh, sport brands have been using influencers for years and there is a kind of saturation on the very obvious profiles that you can work with. And using a tool like CoSquare can, you, can help you go beyond the, the most obvious uh, profiles and uh, engage rapidly on different audiences. So I think that's a key uh, for success for them. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I was, uh, what I also really found fascinating is the fact that you're able to like find like a lot of um, you know, these local-ish influencers at scale, but that are like speaking that uh, to a very specific kind of niche audience, because like there are so many people that are going to be talking about or like have sport as an interest, whether they're just bodybuilders or fitness freaks or food freaks or yoga instructors, whatever, that space is crowded. Like you said, it's a very saturated niche in the influencer area or space. Um, okay. I want to pivot a little bit um, to like kind of um, AI and some of those AI topics, because I know you have a lot of AI incorporated everywhere because you are no longer um, just manually going through people's X Twitter profiles, whatever you want to call it, and scraping all that data, not with three and a half million influencers in your database um so like yeah walk me kind of through like some of the areas like where you've uh, incorporated ai um because it's a very polarizing topic and it's still that i think people are starting to kind of warm up to it but people are still kind of very much fearful of the negative impacts of ai yeah sure uh, there's a lot of polarization around that, that topic um <clears throat> 
first, it's not new because talk today we are talking about AI for all kinds of stuff. And sometimes we put in AI, uh, machine learning, big data, and all things that have been existing for quite a while. Um, but it's not new. And, and we have been doing that for years at CoSquare for data processing, for image analysis. Um, uh, for example, we analyze this uh, content to define uh, the categories of uh, the, the key opinion leaders. Uh, so, for example, if there are a sport, a beauty, uh, a travel influencer. Um, and we also use the client's feedback on the platform uh, to optimize and, and refine, update the algorithm um, automatically. Uh, so... That's something we have been doing for years already. Um, but of course, we are talking about that because of ChatGPT and all the, the, the different tools uh, recently. Uh, I think that today when we think about influence, uh, AI in influencer marketing, we think about generative AI uh, that offers a lot of opportunities for content creation, for example. So you can create more content. When you are an influencer, you can create more content more rapidly in different contexts. Uh, you can... Uh, duplicate your uh, format for the different uh, platform, for example. Uh, so do something for Instagram, but adapt it for TikTok and then for YouTube and YouTube short and whatever, more automatically. So I think that generative AI is very big and it's a huge opportunity for the creator economy at large. Um, but otherwise, there are lots of uh, opportunities that I love and that we are already in implementing in, in CoSquare. <coughs> um, um, if I take the different step I was talking about uh, just before, but for example, in the search, um, you can use AI to ensure that uh, an influencer is a good fit for a partnership, for example. Um, it, can, it can help you detect uh, the, the, the age, the interest, the niche, the location, uh, the, the previous brand partnership, as I said. So lots of things to ensure that there is a match uh, that is accurate. Um, and I think it's also interesting in terms of search, uh, if you look at brand safety, because you can detect the potential fraud uh, within uh, influencers. Um, so, as I said before, if you purchase followers, um, you will use AI to maximize uh, reach and engagement with real people, with real audiences, and so on. So, in search, there are lots of uh, potential uh, in our field. Uh, I think that there is a lot of potential also in planification when you are planning your strategy, your campaigns uh, with the different influencers because you can work on the uh, leveraging AI to determine the appropriate um, spend needed to achieve your campaign goals in terms of reach, in terms and of impressions. So. Okay. Exactly. So you can adjust that. Um, you can also use that to adjust the content that will be produced by the influencers or, or suggest to the influencer a kind of content that will be um, so let's imagine you are you have a brand brand platform or um, a platform for your campaign with lots of um, um, media or um, uh, photos, videos, and things like that that can be reused or inspiring for the influencers. You can use AI to define what kind of adaptation should be made for uh, their specific audience in order to improve uh, the reach, impression, engagement, and so on. And this is based on all the statistical data that you have, all the content I was talking about. If you have all the content about all the influencers uh, for the last two years, you can have a better view of what is going to work or not 
depending on the kind of wording that are going to be used or uh, the kind of photos, videos, and how they are going to set up the campaign. So that can be very um, powerful. Uh, and uh, I'm thinking also about the contract that is very important or the the the, the, the clarification and structuration of the deal. Um, AI can uh, help you automate compa- uh, contract uh, in the contact pro- contract process um, and detect if uh, if an influencer is likely to uh, break it uh, based on the historical uh, um, data. Uh, the historical uh, collaboration that they are, that have been made or the similar uh, campaign that have been made. Um, and also you have lots of regulation everywhere so you can ensure the enforcement of the contract uh, if the influencer uh, abide by the Is contract after okay. that and if they abide by the law for example uh, if you are in the US FTC regulation but you have lots of regulation everywhere and um, so it will allow also brands avoid penalties uh, and mitigate the potential risk uh, with uh, influencers. It's just some examples, but you have tons of things you can imagine with uh, AI. Thousands of use uh, cases, sure. Yeah, exactly. On the different step of the process, and that's what uh, is very interesting is that on each step you can have an AI uh, value okay. added. I wanted to ask you, like, so you it mentioned that um, you've been using AI um, for a while, like um, when it comes to image searches, just to kind of like you know categorize like some of the influence and stuff. Does it ever like? give you bad data or like how like what kind of safeguards are in place for like when it maybe incorrectly categorizes somebody or is it just more of a case that over time the more data points that it has then the more accurate the answer becomes yeah exactly what you said um at the beginning it's lots of time it's it's wrong it's it's bad results uh so you have to adjust uh and the more data you put inside the algorithm the the more accurate uh, the results are and uh, but I'm, I'm we are pretty cautious with that we say it's it's like in the I, I love the image I was giving to you uh, earlier of the plane cockpit you know when you are a plane pilot you have tons of tools and data and things like that the plane can can drive alone you know uh, with machine and so on but there is a human behind and you choose which data are important for you and you take the right decision using all those data and that's that's very important uh, to keep that in mind for all the the technologies we are talking about because it's the same for every tool it's the way you use it that is important. And uh, that's why I'm pretty confident about AI and all evolution because um, there there is a controversy, but it's the way you use it that is very important. So we have to educate also people uh, about the, the way we use it. And we, if we say this is good or wrong, it's just the algorithm that says that. So you have to interpret that and, and decide the data using and use that. It. Exactly. Okay. Um, you also mentioned that uh, AI can kind of help creators like duplicate a lot of content um, depending on the platform, maybe just to like optimize it for certain platforms. Um, have you run into uh, any instances yet of um, influencers duplicating themselves? Because uh, there's a recent thing that's kind of you know been reported on, like you know there are public personalities that are using AI to basically dupl- duplicate their personas, and they they're trained chatbots essentially or trained personas online have you i mean you surely have heard of this like do you 
What, what do you think about that? Is that a, a challenge? Is that something that you're like, oh, that could help and or hurt us? Um, I think it's definitely a trend. It's like, um, it's like for the um, virtual influencers, for example, uh, or influencers uh, that are uh, trained with chatbots. Uh, um, I think there is a trend. Some brands will, will use it. Uh, some influencers will, will use it, celebrities maybe, because they don't have time to do everything that they would like to do. Um, but in this, all those use cases, what is uh, lacking is um, authenticity. Um, and that's what people are looking at. Um, that's what makes uh, success of a brand, of a campaign, a partnership campaign with influencers. And if you don't have this authenticity, it doesn't work. So maybe it will work on short term, but on midterm, long term, people will... Uh, they 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 don't they don't they won't follow these uh, influencers. They won't be able to engage, and so the result will won't be that good. The, the trust won't won't be that good. So I don't think it's a, it's it will be a long term uh, trend. Uh, as long as uh, authenticity is not good. After that, AI may also evolve and work on <laughs> uh, yeah. building. Uh, fake authenticity but uh, we aren't there yet yeah we are not there yet all right well i just got a couple more questions i want to get to with them before i let you get out of here and um it's basically like what are kind of like some common like mistakes that you would see like with uh brands and or influencers and or agencies like people that are actually trying to come and use uh cold square like what are like some common mistakes that you see people doing yeah sometimes i hear um influencer marketing doesn't work and i say okay it doesn't work for you. <laughs> so you have to find, there is no reason why it, it shouldn't work for you. So you didn't find the way it should work for you. So try other kind of influencers, other formats, other collaboration modes, other way of uh, uh, paying the influencers. You, it should work uh, because it, it works for all the brands. So it doesn't, there is no reason why it shouldn't work for you. Uh, I think it's it's one very important point. Um, one error sometimes is to start too small for the beginners, but um, if you only try with uh, 5,000 euros or 10,000 euros, maybe you can do something interesting, but it's it's also the repetition of messages and the experience that you are gaining with errors you are going to make with some influencers and others that will work uh, that will uh, drive you to the success of uh, your strategy. So I think uh, starting too small is, uh, is a common error. Um, after that, not using data is also, uh, especially if you are starting to scale. Uh, uh, most of the time, I say you can start without a tool like Cosquare. You can start on Instagram with Excel file and so on. But it's like when you are doing business, you are prospecting uh, brands. You need a tool. You need an Excel file. Uh, but at one point, you need something more automated to gain time, to centralize data, uh, share with other people and so on. And also to, um, to find... Um, refine your strategy um, transformation rate uh, which are the influencers that are working the best on which audience and so on so using data is very very important 
uh, and that's a common uh, error not to use enough data. And today you have tools, tons of tools to do that. We have a free Chrome extension at CoSquare uh, that you can download with lots of data. You can start to do things with data uh, very early on, and that's very efficient. Um, one common error also is to try to control everything. I gave you the example of um, uh, Orangina, the drink uh, company. Um, and one of the success of, the, co of the, the campaign was to let the influencers do whatever they want. In the contract, Orangina could uh, monitor and uh, modify any project, but they didn't do anything like this because they know, knew that influencers know their audience, they know what is working, and Sometimes it's complicated for brands to let the control uh, to uh, the influencers or even agencies when there is an agency in between. And the, the, the influencers know what they are talking about. So let them do what they want. What trust else? the process, so to speak. Yeah, I trust the process. And also sometimes um, when you start to do influencer marketing, it's hard. You, you, you have up and down and you find a way... That, works and then you start to accelerate so you increase the volume of collaboration scale it up yeah and sometimes you increase the volume too much and you have a quantity over quality and you are diluting your brand some partnership are not uh, qualitative enough and so you see consumers starting to say oh i don't like this i don't like this and you are losing control about your brand so uh, doing too much quantity over quality is a common mistake at the start. Um, and using a tool like CoSquare allows you to do quality and quantity, but you have to be always careful about the quality of the partnership you are uh, setting up. Um, and it's very, very important because it's, it's a kind of endorsement. It's an association and um, you can gain from, from the values and image of the influencer, but you're also uh, giving a lot. And so uh, it's, a, it's a kind of partnership. All right. Well, Quentin Bodage, thank you so much for this fantastic discussion about influencer marketing from Cole Square. That's all I got for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for inviting me. And and uh, yeah, uh, I, we love Germany and I hope we are going to, to do great business here. And there are lots of opportunities. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to, to the German people. Absolutely. And I, and I hope you come to the Omar Festival next year. Uh, uh, it would be a great pleasure. In Hamburg. Would you be there? Uh, I will. We'll be in touch. Try and get you there. Maybe we can get you okay. a, a speaking gig. Thank you very much. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone out there beyond and in between. Thank you to Quentin Bordage from Cole Square for taking the time to discuss the platform with me on today's show. And of course, thanks to all of you for listening. As per usual, if you like what you heard, tell a friend and of course, subscribe. Until we meet again, swim with a buddy.